My name is Angela Cox and I am the Mindset Mentor and this is the Mindset Mentor Meets podcast. Now my aim is to discover and share the secrets of success. You'll hear engaging and uplifting interviews with business leaders at the top of their game, all primed to deliver bucketfuls of value and inspiration. We'll bring practical tips, success strategies and golden nuggets of motivation to help you unleash your absolute potential. Now, please do like, share and leave a review if you love this podcast. It really does help others to find us. Thanks for listening and let's jump in now and meet this week's fabulous guest. Well, hello. Now, I haven't got a guest today. I am actually going to answer my own questions on the podcast because it's something that you've been asking me to do for quite a while now. So I thought, well, why not? As we're in the summer season, I will start to answer my own questions. We'll see how this goes. Now, we generally start the podcast, as you know, with a shake your pom-poms moment. And Do you know what? I found this really hard. And my guests always say, my goodness, Angela, it's really hard to find three proud moments. And I am inclined to agree because I've had loads of moments to be proud of. I'm really fortunate in that, you know, I've had lots of achievements, won loads of awards, done well in my career, had beautiful children. And of course, I could say, you know, some or all of those things. But I wanted to really think about this question and I think what I want to share with you today is around three moments of absolute transformation that have on reflection been the most difficult times of my life and therefore the bits that I am the most proud of. And the first one is about a complete transformation in my relationship. And, you know, that was about coming out of my first marriage, which was not the most connected marriage in the world and one that was very much circled around control. So I had very little freedom in that marriage to be who I am and lots of guilt and shame wrapped around me wanting to be anything but what he wanted me to be. And so from the age of 17 to the age of 27, I spent time in that relationship and didn't really know then where I was or what I was doing. And only on reflection now can see that that relationship didn't serve me at all. And so having met my husband that I'm married to now, the wonderful Mr. Cox, I can really appreciate what we have, how he treats me, how he really allows me to be who I am. And he doesn't have any ego within that. You know, he he is able to kind of be the wind, if you like, beneath my wings. And to actually transform as a woman within that relationship and allow him to be that for me has been a huge personal transformation. Because when you come from a place of 
childhood sexual abuse as I have had and then a relationship that's incredibly abusive and controlling then to be loved in the way that my husband loves me and supports me is so so difficult to accept and so that transformation of accepting my husband and the way that he is with me and the way that we are together is something I'm enormously proud of and and proud that I've been able to make that transition. I guess the second one then is my health transformation. So you may or may not know that for most of my adult life, I was actually obese and, and quite significantly at times. So, you know, wearing dress size 24, for a lot of my adult life and yo-yoing up and down, but never being smaller than a size sort of 14 to 16. So very much a torrid relationship with food really that was driven by an eating disorder called binge eating disorder, something that I wasn't able to ever talk about up until a few years ago because of the shame that it induced. And no exercise to be heard of, really. I'd have the odd flurry now and again, perhaps with a Davina DVD, you know, like you do in January. Or, you know, I might go to a local gym and get involved for a few months and then give up. (laughs) But for the most part, a really unhealthy lifestyle. And in 2016, that changed. And I found something called The Body Coach. And started to really just follow his plan, exercise regularly and just eat well, gave up alcohol and followed the plan to the letter. And and over the period of two years, following the body coach and other plans as well, I dropped all of the weight and found this. I wouldn't say it was a love of exercise because I can't tell you that I ever really love it when I'm thinking about going to do it. You know, it is something that I have to negotiate with myself often, but I found a rhythm and a routine now, which is largely centered around exercising regularly, around eating as healthily as I can and around not having alcohol. And to be able to have still sustained that into 2020 is a huge transformation for me. And being able to have binge eating disorder in control is massive. You know, I've lived with that since I was nine years old. So it's a transformation I'm incredibly proud of. And it led me to get the silver medal in the world championships for kettlebell sport as well, which, you know, if you'd have said that to me five years ago, it just never would have entered my head that that was possible. I guess the third moment of pride for me, the third shake your pom-poms moment is about my career shift. And yeah, talk about transformation. You know, I had worked so very hard in my career and I'll go on to talk about it shortly, but moving from the senior leadership position in corporate and then into consulting was one big shift that I had. But then moving from consulting to set up my own business as a life coach was a huge risk. You know, I was earning great money. I had a really great job that actually I'd wanted to have for years and years and years. I'd followed this company for years and wanted to work for them. And then there was this moment sitting in a hotel with my boss where I just thought, actually, I can't do this anymore. And it was literally a decision 
made in two minutes in my head that the next minute was coming out of my mouth and I was telling him that I needed to leave. And I had no qualifications back then as a coach other than this sort of strategic lean coaching qualification that I'd done at Cardiff Business School. And so I set up my practice with that as my foundation. And actually, another life coach had said to me back at that time, you don't need any qualifications to be a coach. And so I set up knowing that this was what the advice was. And what I know now is you do absolutely need qualifications to be a great coach because the amount of different things that your clients come with is vast. And having a good suite of tools and techniques, a good understanding of the mind, of psychology, of behaviors, of beliefs is so key to doing a great job. And so for me, The transformation in terms of career wasn't necessarily just about taking that step, that very scary step to set up on my own and go from amazing income to no income (laughs) overnight. But it was more about making the decision to be the best coach that I could be for my clients. And that drove me in a 12 month period to get trained and accredited, importantly in eight different change modalities and to get the PG cert in psychology and neuroscience. Because for me, those things are what make me the coach that I am. So I've had these three pom-pom moments, transformation in my relationships and what I accept, transformation in my health and a transformation in my career. I mean, the whole thing, my whole life has changed and it really has. So if I think then to one of the questions I sometimes ask, which is you're thinking back to childhood, what did you want to be when you grew up? There wasn't really ever a thing I wanted to be, I'll be honest. I knew that I was always very good at school. So I was always that kid that was classed as top of the class. And a lot of that through probably compliance and wanting to please as much as it was about my academic capability. But, you know, I was very much the all A student and did very well in primary and secondary. And and I went to a secondary school actually that was a big comprehensive. And in the second year got absolutely battered by a girl. I mean, I was literally, I had this egg on my head and really battered. And I was terrified of this girl. She was called Colleen and I can see her now terrified. And I didn't actually know what that was all about. But I remember my mum going to see my granddad and saying, we need to get her out of this school and I want to put her in a private school. And my granddad said, well, I'll pay for her to go to the private school because my parents didn't have lots of money. And so that's what happened. And I went to this really tiny private school and did very well there as well. And it was then that I started to go into the air training corps. And the air training corps was sort of, you know, mini RAF, if you like, (laughs) training camp where you'd wear uniform and you'd march around the drill ground and you'd go on all of these various camps. And in that first few weeks as a probationer, I was called out as being the leader of the probationers. So whenever I go anywhere, I tend to get focused on as being a leader and given responsibility really quickly. And so 
Because I was in the Air Training Corps, I decided that the absolute ideal career for me was to go in the RAF. Well, what a load of nonsense that is, because I cannot stand rules and hierarchy and, you know, must bow and curtsy and be told to shut up and shut up. I can't stand all of that. (laughs) So why I thought this was a good idea, I will never know. But, you know, me being me, wanted to do it to the best of my ability. So I applied for an RAF sixth form scholarship and I went down to Cranwell and did the assessments and felt like a complete fish out of water. And I remember the man there, one of the men saying to me, well, he said, you certainly lead with personality, don't you? (laughs) And uh, I didn't really know what that meant then, but I can see what he means now looking back. And I was really surprised to have gotten the sixth form scholarship. And I was one of only 25 females to get it back then. So it's a huge deal. But of course, I didn't make the most of it because I met my first husband uh, at 17 and gave back the opportunity, much to my father's dismay. But, you know, it was the right thing for me to do because I would never have fitted in that environment. So what I did was to make my dad happy. I went and got a job in a hotel and asked the manager there to give me a training manager job so that I could tell my dad I had manager in the title. And he did do that. And I spent a bit of time working in different hotels. Each time I went to a hotel, I got promoted very quickly. And before I knew it, at age 20, I was conference and banqueting manager, running a huge conference centre. How I did it, I don't know. I had a team of 16 people. And I was doing that in the Lake District, miles away from home. Then I decided that I needed to get a proper job and one that didn't mean that I was working at three o'clock in the morning. And so I applied for a job in a bank. And after about three days of working in the bank, I was given a job as being a seller and didn't really know what I was selling because I didn't really understand any of the products, but I did quite well. And then within about three months, they'd given me a branch to run. Now, this is one of the problems with my career, and you might be able to relate to this. Because I was always called out as being a good leader and given responsibility very quickly, what I didn't have was the grounding that needed to sit underneath that. So here I am running a branch, great at leading and motivating people, but have no clue how the branch needs to work. So our sales targets were through the roof, but the nuts and bolts of how to run a branch, I had no clue about. So I always had this feeling of being a swan swimming. And this happened every job I went to. Every single time I went into a role, I'd get promoted very quickly. It happened at Lloyd's Banking Group. I met the ops director. We connected really well. The next thing I know, she's given me an ops manager job running a call center that I knew nothing about running a call center. And I just didn't have a clue what I was doing. But the people that worked with me were really happy and really motivated. (laughs) So we kind of got by and, and a lot of the time they supported me to make sure that we did a good job, which I'm really grateful for. This happened more and more and more. And before I knew it, I found myself as strategy director in a huge group called Compass Group. And then I moved over into consulting in a job with a company that I had followed and worked alongside for years and years and years as a client. And there I am with my dream job. And then of course, I decide that actually I want to be on my own. 
And I have to say, being on my own as this life and behavioural change coach, working with senior leaders and execs and professionals, there isn't one day in the two years I've been doing this, there isn't one day where I've felt that swan swimming feeling. It doesn't matter who I'm with, whether it's a CEO of a huge organisation or whether it's a person who is having extreme trauma, I know that I can deal with those things. And that hopefully doesn't come across as me sounding arrogant because it really isn't that. It's this absolute belief in myself and my ability to do this job like I was born to do it. And that's a beautiful feeling that I've never actually experienced before. So I know I'm in the right place. So we go on to whether I've ever experienced adversity and how has that shaped me. And I guess, you know, it'd be really easy for me at this point to talk about the sexual abuse that I experienced in childhood. But actually, that wasn't the thing that has shaped me. I think when you're a child and you experience adversity, you don't necessarily recognise it at the time as adversity, particularly with something as secret as abuse, because you don't know whether that's normal. You don't know whether other people are experiencing it. So you don't have a comparator. So you just kind of live your life as if that's normal until you get older and then you look back on it. I think when I think about adversity now, for me, it's more about experiences that I've had more recently. So in 2017, which was one of the reasons why I left my role in consulting and set up on my own, I had what I call the wheels falling off moment, which was me just suddenly not being able to cope at all with anything. So it would spend huge amounts of time crying, had huge numbers of flashbacks to things that had happened in childhood and was to all intents and purposes sitting, looking at myself in the mirror and going, so you've lost all of this weight, you've got fit and healthy, you've got a job that you've worked your whole life for in consulting and yet you can't even get through a day without crying. What is the matter with you? And I remember sitting down and thinking, perhaps I need to have antidepressants, but I really didn't feel depressed. And I reached out to, you know, one of these helplines that you get through work. I reached out to whatever company it was, insurance company, and they said, oh, perhaps you need to speak to such and such psychologist. And I was like, oh, okay. And I'd, I had seen a psychologist about the abuse in my 20s, but, you know, this was kind of a, a new thing <laughs> to lean into at age 40, just, just before 40. And so I rang this guy and he said, okay, who you need is this lady called Sally. And I remember going to see Sally for the first time and she said, I want you to phone in work tomorrow and tell them you're not coming in. Should you need some time? Because my belief on everything that you've told me is that you are suffering with post-traumatic stress disorder. And whoa, how hard was that? I mean, talk about the adversity, by the way, is not the fact that all of this stuff was happening, you know, because I'd been through periods like this before where I found it hard to deal with stuff from the past and it would creep up on me and make me stop. The adversity comes in having to go into this workplace where I felt like 
a complete outsider. You know, I was one of very few women in that organization and didn't fit the mold. So I wasn't an engineer. I didn't have major qualifications. I didn't think logically like lots of them did. And we'd sit in meetings and I would feel very different. And having been in corporate environments where I fitted in perfectly, this was really tough for me. And actually comes from an inferiority complex that I talk about in the imposter syndrome podcast, actually, that you might want to tune into. I had to sit down and say to them that I was experiencing this and that I couldn't work. And that was huge for me because I'll tell you, there'd been times before in my career where I'd taken time off from a mental health perspective in these periods where I couldn't cope or, you know, was feeling like everything was getting on top of me, which of course is a result of trauma, but I wasn't really aware of that back then. And I would take time off and say I'd got an ear infection or, you know, there was something physically wrong with me because I felt that was acceptable. But this time I knew I couldn't do that. And that leaning in and admitting that there was something mentally wrong with me. Oh my God, that was one of the toughest things I've ever had to do. And there was, on the most part, a really positive response to that. There was a few people that, you know, couldn't really buy into the idea of mental illness. And I know, you know, I've experienced that wherever I've gone. But that was really tough. But what that taught me was more about retiring the actress and becoming who I actually am and being able to be vulnerable enough to say that I am struggling and that I am experiencing a mental health challenge. That shaped me in being able to work more effectively now with my clients and to be able to manage myself and how I feel in a more in a more complex manner, I suppose. So I have multi-layers of self-care depending on where I'm feeling. And, you know, I've done lots of trauma resolution as a result of that moment. But that being able to face up to, actually, I'm not perfect. Actually, there's something not quite right here. And I need to share it and be honest about it. Hard. So, so hard. And I guess that ties into the lessons that I've learned along the way, which is a killer question that I ask of my guests on the pod. For me, the biggest lesson is just that it's about retiring the actress, as I call it. It's about taking off the mask. Honestly, in my corporate career, I was at the point of burnout so many times because I had limiting beliefs that were driving perfectionism. Major trust issues, still have major trust issues to be fair, but major trust issues in terms of being able to work effectively and trust other people to do the job. And so I take on far too much of that myself. And I guess feeling that I had to be somebody else in order to fit in. Now, that was a hugely successful strategy for me because I had huge success in my career. So there's an argument to say, well, why would you want to retire the actress then that made all of that happen? But the point comes back to burnout. You know, the exhaustion that I felt from having to do that was just relentless. I mean, I was 
knackered at the point where we'd go on holidays you know the first few days it would take me forever to switch off I'm sure you some of you can relate to this then you wouldn't really switch off and then you'd be getting back into work mode before the holiday was completed and quite often I'd get ill on holiday and I'd get ill over Christmas time because of that idea of working so hard and being someone who I thought I needed to be to fit in. Now the big lesson for me has been about actually retiring that actress and taking off that mask and just learning to be me and learning to show everything that I am because there's still some amazing qualities that I have that lend themselves brilliantly to the work that I do but also I'm able to say when I'm having a rubbish day I'm able to say that I'm not very good at certain things and that's okay and I'm really embracing this idea of it's okay not to be perfect which to be fair with my attention to detail is probably a good thing you know anyone who's ever read anything that I write will know that it is scattered with spelling mistakes and goodness knows what else so embracing the imperfection is really key but retiring the actress and allowing my inner self to really come through. I wish I'd have done that years ago because I wonder where my career would have gone. But, you know, you can't take things back, can you? And all I can do now is progress forward, be in the version of me that I am. Can you tell me about a time when things didn't go your way and how did you handle it? Oh my God. Now, (laughs) what I should say at this point is, One of my big limiting beliefs that I discovered probably about 18 months ago in a matrix session is all about absolute fear of disapproval. Now, those that watch me closely on social media will know that I have a requirement for external validation, always have done, and that's linked to this fear of disapproval. Now, what that does is on a positive side of the fence, it drives the requirement for approval. So in not wanting to be disapproved of, I am always striving to be approved of. And that means that I work really hard at doing the best that I can so that I do a great job wherever I am. And and bosses that I've had along the way know this. And quite often they'll exploit that to their advantage, probably subconsciously, but you know, they get the best out of me. And my desire to want to please and to get them to approve means that I will go to the nth degree to make sure that things go well. Now, the reason why that is a challenge is because when I get disapproved of, it's the end of the world, or certainly it was until I worked on this belief. I mean, literally, I would feel crushed to the point where, you know, it could quite often render me in tears. And this has happened so many times in my corporate career where a boss will have said something about what I've done and in a really throwaway way, you know, that most people would feel okay about. But for me, it would be like being stabbed through the heart. And the same, my experience with the trolls in 2016-17, when I was tracking my weight loss journey on social media, I attracted so many trolls, really hateful messages. They were just awful and they were coming daily at one point. 
And that disapproval, even though it was from people that I didn't know, was crushing. Now, what's happened is I've discovered that moment that I created that belief when I was four years old at nursery school. And it was in this this memory that I have with a teacher. Actually, it wasn't a conscious memory until I went in the matrix and found the memory. And I've done work on reprinting that memory. And now what happens is I still strive for approval because I see that as a very positive thing and it's a big driver for me and I don't want to get rid of that. So I'm consciously keeping hold of that. But now when I get disapproved of or disagreed with, it doesn't crush me. So I've been able to actually get under the skin of that limiting belief and remove it so that it doesn't hold me back. And that's incredible. But at the time, in terms of how did I handle disapproval, not very well. (laughs) I'd just fall apart and then work even harder a lot of the time. So what drives and motivates me on those days when it gets tough? And and I guess I get a lot of messages and, and people will say to me, oh, you're so motivated. I wish I had your motivation. The way that I look at motivation is this. If you're not where you want to be, that's all the motivation that you need. And the thing that gets in the way is things like self-talk, things like limiting beliefs, things like self-doubt, all of which can be managed. The motivation is there for everyone. So I have incredibly high levels of motivation because I manage all of the things that tries to stop it. I like to think about it as a cartoon, like a Tom and Jerry. You know, Jerry is there full of motivation and Tom is there trying to stop Jerry from getting where he wants to go. And all I do is manage Tom because the motivation is there. Now, on some days, you know, I'll get up at 6.30, the alarm will go off. I'm meant to go down and do a workout and I think, oh, I can't be bothered. And some days the I can't be bothered does win. But for the most part, I'll interrupt the I can't be bothered message with a, I want to do this. I choose to do this because it makes me feel good. And before I know it, I'm up and going to do it. So I guess the drive and the motivation is that I do want to be a better version of myself tomorrow than I am today. I have got a really clear vision of where I want to be in a year's time, in five years time, in 10 years time. And so I really do visualize those things that I want. And because I'm not there yet, I'm motivated to head towards it. That's a huge driver for me, this future state picture and one that keeps me up. And then I guess, you know, how do I take care of my mindset? Well, the Mindset Gym online program that I've created, and I'll leave the link for that into the show notes. The stuff that I've put in the mindset gym is the stuff that I use, the deliberate practices every day based around positive psychology that keep me up. So for me, it's about more than exercise. It's about more than healthy eating. Both of those things are important, but keeping my mind healthy and the way that I think healthy is incredibly important. And the mindset gym principles are the thing that I go to and that I practice in order to keep that mindset muscle really, really strong. We've got one around what does vulnerability mean to you or to me? 
let me think about this. Vulnerability for me is about really having courage to step outside my comfort zone. I believe that, you know, if you can envisage yourself standing with a circle of chalk all around you, and I believe that we often as individuals get to the perimeter of that chalk, get to the edge of the chalk. And then we believe that if we step over the line, we're going to fall down into the abyss and never be found again. And that is absolute nonsense. There's just another bit of floor beyond that line of chalk. And if you step over it, it's going to feel exactly the same as the ground that you are on now. But you've just stepped a bit further towards where it is that you want to get to. And so for me, that vulnerability is about having the courage to know that Beyond that line of chalk, it might be uncertain. Beyond that line of chalk, it might feel a little bit more challenging, a little bit more difficult, but you go and do it anyway. And allowing yourself to feel that uncertainty and to not have all of the answers and more importantly, not have control. That's what vulnerability is all about for me. And I challenge myself to practice it as often as I can. I don't think it's about you know, crying all over your colleagues or telling everyone the ins and outs of everything in your life. But it is about being able to show up as you without the mask and to step over that line of chalk. Oh, do you know what? It's hard having a one-way conversation. (laughs) I feel like my voice is going and I'm not sure whether this is interesting or not to any of you, but um. It's been nice actually to be able to just take a bit of time and to think about what my guests have to think about in order to come on the podcast. And, you know, when you get the no's from people, so I'll invite people and they'll go, no, it's not for me. I'm too shy or I'm too scared. You know, I can see that because it's challenging to talk about yourself for this amount of time. But again, it's about stepping over that line of chalk, isn't it? And about putting yourself outside of your comfort zone. So on to the secret of success. And you know what? I mean, of all the guests we've had so far, I don't think we've had one answer that's the same. The secret to success for me is absolutely about bringing to the show, bringing to the table the person that you really are in every single circumstance that you're in. So for me, there isn't 10 versions of Angela Cox. There isn't a corporate version or a professional, people love to use that word. There isn't a professional version and then one who's at home. You get Angela Cox, you know, every single inch of her. You get my full personality. You get my ups and my downs, my wrongs and my rights, my perfection and my imperfection. You get the whole shebang (laughs) when you meet Angela Cox now and she might be a very different version to the one that you perhaps met five, ten years ago in the corporate world. Because for me, the secret to success now is about just being who I really am and not being afraid of that, not being apologetic for it and bringing every single inch of it to the party shaking my pom-poms and being proud and that I know 
is making me and will continue to make me more successful than I have ever been. And that might not be in title, might in the future not even be about money, but it's about being true to me. And so I don't harbour guilt, I don't harbour shame, I don't harbour any of those awful feelings that muster up inside you when you're not being who you truly are. So that's my secret to success. And I would thank you very much for listening in to this special episode. I hope you've enjoyed listening as much as I've enjoyed recording. And do come back and listen to some more. I'm going to just do a little beg now (laughs) and ask you to please go on to iTunes and leave us a review because they really do help us to be heard by other people. And do check out the link in the show notes to my two online programs, the Mindset Gym I've talked about today and the Courage and Confidence program which is incredible. It's a 13-week program, only £149, and you can actually pay for that over three months. So it's accessible to most people, and that's what I wanted. If you want to build that courage to be vulnerable, and you want to build unshakable inner confidence, it's absolutely the right one for you. I wish you a very good day or evening, whatever you're doing, and please do take good care. I do hope that you enjoyed listening to the Mindset Mentor Meets podcast. If you did, be sure to check out the show notes to access all of those important links. For more about me, visit my website at www.angela-cox.co.uk. Now, I'd really love it if you could subscribe to our channel so that you never miss an episode. And do leave us a five-star review because it really helps us to get noticed. Bye for now. I do hope that you'll tune in next week and take good care.